0: Well, good morning, church. It's good to see people, my goodness. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, It's good to be here this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan Graydon, and this is my winter look, okay? Um, It's just going to get longer, so deal with it. Um, But to be honest, this morning we are going to jump around in the text, in the book of Luke, a little bit. Um, And I I believe the Lord is going to teach us a lot and I want to challenge you with a question to begin with, okay? Actually, a couple of questions. But the first question that I want to challenge you with is this. What does it mean to follow? Simple word. What does it mean to follow? Now, I went online to Webster's Online Dictionary, and I wanted to know what the definition of follow was, and it gave me some of the following. It said, to go, proceed, or come after. Another definition was, to engage in as a calling or a way of life. Follow. A third definition was, to be or act in accordance with. To accept authority was another To seek or attain was another. And you guys, it went on and on. There was over nine definitions right there for this simple word, follow. But let's take it a little bit deeper, okay? Let's make it a little more personal. I'll ask you another question. And my next question is this. Why do you choose to follow something? Think hard about all the things that you follow in your life and I want you to to come up with some answers. Why do I choose to follow these things? Maybe some of your answers might be these. Maybe we admire the person leading or maybe the purpose that they're proposing. That's maybe why we follow something. Another reason might be We desire to apply this thing, this thought, this teaching to our life. It it might be good for us, so we follow. Another reason is maybe we have an addiction to it. Maybe we've made it such a normal routine of our life that we can't stop. Social media, pornography, drugs, alcohol, work relationships. Another reason why we follow something, maybe we're, we're peer pressured into it. We follow because we don't want to stand out and we desire to belong. And if we don't follow, we're going to be pushed out. Another reason might be that, that we were taught or told that it was right as we grew up And we followed those instructions for so many years to do this, so we do it. Church, there's many reasons why we follow things in our life. Many reasons. Now, some of you might say, Ryan, here's the deal. I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. I, I take charge. I'll tell you something. You're still following. Even to become a leader, you've had to follow something at some point in your life to get into that position of leadership, so guess what? No escaping this, you're still a follower. My point is this, there isn't a person in this room that isn't a follower in some way, but, but church, I wonder if we are following the right things. tell you a story. I remember when I was a young teenager in Boy Scouts, I was junior high, and our scout troop kind of had junior high and high school together, so I think I was probably 13 years old. And our scout troop, every few years, would take a trip to Wisconsin to a place called Eagle Cave. And I remember I was super excited to go on this trip with with my scout troop and the older guys in the troop. And, and to be honest, these older guys were good guys. They were good high school guys. And I just thought it was cool to be with them, you know? Spending a weekend at that experience with these guys, I, just, I knew it was going to be an incredible time. This trip was a really neat experience. You see, when you got to Eagle Cave for the weekend, it wasn't just a cave that you kind of toured through and then left. This was a cave that you actually slept in and camped in for the weekend. It was, it was awesome. It was huge. The cave just kind of went on and on, and, and there was each of these little separate caverns and rooms in this cave. And so I remember, I remember when we arrived, one of the, the cave people, right, um, escorted us into the cave area that we would be camping in for the next few nights, And we walked a couple hundred yards into this cave, past other groups that were doing the same thing for the weekend. And we finally arrived at our campsite, and we set up our stuff. We unrolled our sleeping bags, got everything organized, and I couldn't wait for what was next. Once everybody was settled, one of these older high school guys said to us, Hey, let's go exploring. You don't have to tell a 13-year-old boy that twice. It sounded like something I I just couldn't miss. And frankly, the guy that was suggesting this and ready to lead was one of the guys that I just thought was the coolest. I really respected him. And so, simply because I liked him and I thought he was cool, I followed. Flashlights in hand. We went to this corner of the cave, and it began to narrow down into this hole. And at times, you had to crawl on your belly just to fit through some of these spaces. And we, and we went deeper and deeper and further and further into this finger of the cave. And you guys, it was incredible. Eight to ten guys following this guy, and we ventured for probably an hour into the unknown. After an hour or so, though, he finally suggested, hey, it's, it's getting close to mealtime. We better head back so we don't miss that. So we stopped our advancement, and we all kind of shimmied to the side, and he moved from leading this way past us to leading us back out of the cave. Soon our progress was in the opposite direction, venturing back toward the opening that we started in. And after a while, there was a pause in the line, and our progress slowed to a stop, and I waited, assuming that maybe the people ahead of me were just having a hard time squeezing through a hole, but the pause grew longer, and pretty soon I discovered something that I never thought would happen. You see, it seems that, that in our crawl back towards the opening where we started, this leader of ours came to a point in the crevice where it split into two tunnels. There was an upper opening and a lower opening and he could not remember which one we came from. Fear gripped my mind. What if we took the wrong tunnel? What would happen to us? What if we were down here and the batteries ran out of our flashlights and we couldn't see where to go? What if nobody knew we were down here and we get stuck here until we were all frightened? My mind raced. I also began to look at this guy who led us into this situation. How could he let this happen, right? He was leading. He should know the way. I started to question why I followed him. I realized that it wasn't because I had seen his skills and exploration that It hadn't shown me that he would get us somewhere and take us back. I'd never seen him do that. I had no idea if he could survive this situation. I realized that I followed him simply because I thought he was cool. Why? He gambled, had a 50-50 shot, you know. And thankfully, he took the right tunnel. In 30 minutes or so, we came out of that hole in that main cave area. I didn't wait around to talk about what just happened. I walked right past him. I left the group and I made a mental note I'm not following that anymore. This morning, we're going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles or your apps, please turn to. Chapter 5, we're going to start right in verse 1. And as we look at what it means to lead and ponder that question, I want to show you an incredible leader. And you guys, as we read this scripture, I pray and I ask that you would put yourself in this spot, live this, see what's happening. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, he's talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And then they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had just taken. And also were James and John, son of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. Listen. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. They left everything and followed Incredible. Could you imagine seeing this happen in front of you? The cool thing is that story's true. Even though we read about it a couple thousand years later, it happened. It's real. That story has stood the test of time, you guys. Jesus is teaching on a shoreline and there's, and there's so many people that are, that are wanting to hear what he says. He had to change his stage setting so he jumps into a boat, and you can imagine, he doesn't even know whose boat it is, or that guy didn't give him permission, but he jumped in, and, they, and it says they push it away from shore just a bit so that he might be heard by everybody. And I imagine that his message was appealing. There was something about it that was intriguing people. It was touching people. They were getting it. People had been hearing about this Jesus, and they had been following him around the area, but I wonder if they really knew why yet. And then when Jesus was done with this message, he demonstrated why he was worth following. He tells the two fishermen, whom weren't his friends yet, to cast down their nets. Now the fishermen, almost in kind of a mocking tone, I I would guess that they're kind of going, all right. They humor Jesus and they honor his request and they go out and they drop their nets and the passage reveals what's happened. These guys catch the catch of their life. Never have they caught so many fish. They've never seen anything like this before and then the, the people who probably had just listened to Jesus' message are watching this happen And they've probably never seen anything like this before. People knew that this was not normal. They already knew that this man was appealing. And he had a message that attracted them and caused them to pause from their day to listen. But I'm sure some were still asking, why should I follow him? And then Jesus proves... He is who He says He is by this incredible, miraculous event. An unexplained incident. Nobody could figure out why that happened. Something that's just irrefutable in people's minds. It's confirming that the hand of God is upon this man and He is who He says He is. And when people put that together in their mind, It said in a bit deeper that this was a man worthy of following. This is a man who is leading. He is a leader, a worthy leader, worthy of any sacrifice to follow. And these men do just that Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Shortly after this, all become disciples of Jesus, men who walked away from what they had considered important in their lives. It was their career. And they began to follow something that was worthy of their sincere following. Now, at this point in Scripture, Jesus begins to assemble his team of followers And let's continue on. I want to jump over to verse 27. We're still in chapter 5. Verse 27 says this. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in this house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And I love this. Jesus answered to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. You see, I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. A tax collector begins to follow Jesus. He leaves everything. But let me share with you the significance of this if you don't know already. Tax collectors at that time were one of the most hated people around. They were despised. And most of them were of the Jewish culture. They were of the Jewish race. And even by their own people, they were hated. Why? Because they were cheats. You see, Rome had conquered all this land and and it required Roman citizens as well as conquered people groups to pay a tax to Rome. It was the law. And I'm not sure how often it was paid, but... People were required to pay it to individuals who were hired by Rome to collect these taxes and turn them into Rome. But you see, these men would often add fees or or create expenses and then they would skim off the top of those taxes and pocket it. Tax collectors were very wealthy people as a result of this. They were despised by their peers And the Roman leadership usually did nothing about it. They didn't care. All that Rome wanted was the money. And in this passage, Jesus asks somebody who was despised by his peers and his own people to follow him. You can imagine, Matthew probably led a very empty life If he had friends, they were probably friends because he had money. They were people of a like trade. In fact, it says so in that passage. And nobody outside of these friends really cared about Matthew the tax collector. But Jesus did. Jesus stopped and Jesus singled him out. He talked to him and in verse 31 it says... I didn't come for those who need a doctor, but I came for those who were sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners in repentance. He knew Matthew. He knew what was going on in Matthew's head and heart. And Jesus took aim, and Matthew had somebody to follow. As Jesus continued to teach and travel, he grew a great number of followers. They not only saw and heard a man that was appealing to them, but they also saw a man who demonstrated what he was. He was the real thing. The wisdom in his teaching, the acts that he performed, the arguments with religious leaders that he won, Jesus continued to demonstrate that he was worthy of their following, and we see that a great number of people began to follow Jesus. But as the number grew, Jesus made a choice to invest in a certain 12 that he called to become fishers of men. You see, I believe that Jesus knew what was coming for him. And he was preparing those who were following to become leaders for others. They had to be worthy. They had to show that they too were worth listening to. And in Luke chapter 6, we find out whom he chose. If you've got that, let's read Luke chapter 6, verse 12. We'll start there. And in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. We're talking about Jesus. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. It seems that Jesus had put together a team that would follow him for the right reasons. A team that would continue to follow him even after he was gone. A team of people who were worthy of followers themselves as they continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in years to come. These were people that others could look at and actually verbalize why they were worthy of following. I wonder if we can do that now with great assurance concerning the things we follow. Can you and I tell people without embarrassment why we follow the things we do? Maybe some things, but all? Are the things we are following pointing us towards a relationship with Christ Are they pointing us toward good things? Are they pointing us toward an eternal perspective? Church, why are we following what we follow? I think we need to pull out our compass and redirect our hearts and minds and efforts to somebody more effective and worthy. Somebody worth our time. Somebody worthy of our following in his name is Jesus. But Ryan, how do we do that? How do we begin to do that? Well, the answer, I wish I could give you a simple one. I wish there was a step one, two, and three. How we do that? By discipline. Doing the right things over and over again, even when it's hard. Getting into the Word. It's supposed to be our food, you guys. Getting into God's Word daily. And if that's a 15 minutes of devotional time that's fine but what if you could keep that in your pocket and whenever you pause instead of flipping through your phone you flip through God's word talking to Christ He's made it pretty simple It's called prayer And yet we say it's hard to do You guys, my fear is that we have become passive, lazy Christians. You see, we allow these things to creep into our lives that distract us from a growing relationship with Christ. And they seem innocent. But the time we spend following them only takes away from following somebody more important. Let me ask you, how often do you spend time on social media? Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, everything else out there. How much time during the week do you stop and just slide through that stuff? And it's not like you're focused on anything. things. I all see the finger just moving it. The internet. Sometimes we have downtime, so we search for things that we're interested in. Sometimes we search for things we shouldn't be searching for. Finding something to follow, articles, pictures, websites, politics, what, whatever. Social chats, texting, FaceTiming and all these other social branches on the social media tree that keep occupying our time so much that we have little time left to do more important things. How about work? Don't get me wrong, work is good. The scriptures encourage us to work hard. Why not do 40 hours a week? That's okay. You earn what you work for. You deserve that. But what if you're working because you don't know what else to do with your time? What if you're working to avoid home? What if you're working because you are chasing the nice house, the nice car, name brand clothes, great vacations, a social status among your peers? Maybe you're working at the cost of time with your children and your spouse. Missing ball games, time at home around the table, dates with the one you've committed to spend your life with. What are we following? How about excuses we make? (laughs) I can do this pretty well. What are we telling ourselves or convincing ourselves of that, that keeps us from following Christ. You know, I don't, I don't have time to sit and read the Bible. My day is just way too busy. When I read the Word, Ryan, I don't understand it. My life is fine. Family's good. Things are smooth. I have it under control. You guys, I think we convince ourselves, we talk ourselves into excuses all the time for not spending time with Christ or pursuing Christ or following Christ. Yet we find time to do all this other stuff. What if we woke up just a little bit earlier? I know it's hard, but it gets back to, how do we do this? Discipline. What about... Just getting into the word and reading it more and more, and allowing the Holy Spirit to make sense of it. Your life might seem fine now; you might have everything under control, but but that's on the surface. Things will happen, and you may not be prepared for it. Who's worthy of our following? Who's a leader worthy to follow? I'll say it again. It's Jesus. Jesus. Follow hard after Jesus. He's a leader that has spanned centuries, you guys. The message of salvation in him, forgiveness of sins, and a leader worth following has been passed down from generation to generation for over 2,000 years now. It's true. It's real. It's valid. Lives have been changed by it. We have the stories to prove it sitting right in these chairs this morning. If you looked around, you would see evidence of people following a leader and it changing their lives. Set aside the distractions. The things keeping you from Jesus. Redirect. And go. Church, I fear to ask this question, but what are we going to do when we leave this place this morning? (laughs) Because I am in this boat. Most of us will leave probably saying, hey, Ryan had some great points this morning. And that's where it ends. Passive Christianity. I don't think God put me here this morning for us to have a passive reaction to this. If we desire to follow him, he requires change. It's not easy. It's tough. It will be like ending an addiction in some cases, but what's keeping you from him? Scripture says to flee from it. Practically, get rid of your apps. Delete them. If you're sitting there right now saying, I can't do it, maybe you're hooked. Stop following things that you get consumed with. The news right now, you guys, in our culture will... It will occupy your mind and energy and time. Choose what's worth listening to. Stop making excuses. Be disciplined. Do what's tough and make time to follow Jesus. Nothing else in this world will satisfy like he can. When you leave today, I hope that you change. I hope that we change. And I'm not preaching from the pulpit here, you guys. I am in the same boat. Follow what is good. Follow what is right. Follow what is dependable. Follow what is worthy. Follow somebody that will lead you well and change your life. And fight to follow. Pursuing Christ is not an easy road, and Scripture calls us to put on the armor of God in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and we're supposed to do that every day. But we don't think about that when we wake up. Satan is ready to battle at the moment your feet touch the ground. Are you ready for that? Do you recognize that every day you're being attacked? Church, let's be real. Let's battle. Let's follow what's worthy. Let's stop following the world. Let's pray. Father, what a heavy, heavy lesson you've put before us here. And Father, I'm so thankful for your ministry years ago, and I'm thankful for what you did for us. And Father, as we are often distracted by the things of this world, God, I pray that you would convict our hearts with the Holy Spirit and our minds and give us yearning to set aside the stuff that is between you and us and run for you. God, you know it's tough and you know each of us well. You know what will be a struggle. God, I pray that you give us the courage. In Jesus' name, amen.